So um, today we, we continue in our Luke series. We have been there for such a long time. Uh, we continue to look at Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. And our tagline is we are savoring Jesus as Lord and as, 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 as Lord of our lives. Right, and whenever I think of savoring, I always think of food. Now I'm not a great cook, you know. I'm not a person who cooks. So sometimes I, I see people cooking, and they're like, you know, can you feel the smell of this, the smell of that? I'm like, Mm-mm. I just want to eat the food. <laughs> like I'm not getting the, you know. I'm just so, so so. That's what we are doing with Jesus. We are savoring Jesus as Lord and and Savior of our lives. And today we have an opportunity to do that in Luke 17. And uh, the, part, the, the title of our message is Forgiveness and Gratitude. You know, um, while I was, we were praying upstairs uh, this morning, we were praying for the kids, I mean for the youth, the camp. And I was just praying to God that God may do such a great transformation in young people's lives. You know, because I remember when I was still, you know, young in high school, there was this guy, I, I will call his name, his name is Kyle too. This guy used to roast me a lot. You know, he was a leader of a pack. So their job was to make me regret why I am in church. You know, so he used to roast me a lot. He used to roast me a lot. And every, every day in school was like, geez, here we go again. You know, he was like, no, you are young. You know, why are you pretending that you are old? One day you'll accept Jesus when you are old. And then he would roast, he would roast. And even people, even my mother as well, was like, but Prince, I think you are too serious, you know? I think you should tone it down a little bit because we, we have this thing where... I'm good. Down? Okay. So we have this culture where young people can't be radical for Jesus, you know? And I, I just remember while preparing for this message that the guy who roasted me, and I struggled for a long time, to forgive him. But the guy who finally I forgave him and the funny thing was, I always had this thing that if I see this guy, I will tell him, you know what? You are wrong about everything. But actually it turns out that the guy became a pastor. <laughs> what a joke on me. The guy became a pastor and is leading one of, of, one of the churches in PE. When I went home, it's like Kyle was like, no, Kyle became a pastor. He met Jesus while in prison. And he changed, and now he's leading a church. I'm like, I need to talk to him and tell him how you made me feel. <laughs> it's like, forgive him, bro, and move on. He's accepted Jesus. What great news is that? And, and that's what we are going to be talking about this morning. We are speaking on the issue of forgiveness, right? We are talking on forgiveness. So let's go in our Bibles in Luke chapter 17, verse 1 to 19. We're not going to go the whole chapter. The, the two things we are going to be focusing on is forgiveness and it is gratitude. So, let's go from Luke uh, 17 verse 1 to 4. Let's start from there. Can I pray for us before we read? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that we have this opportunity to sit at your word. To sit under the authority of your word. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you may lead, command, guide, and lead us, Father, for the glory and the honor of your name. Amen. So, verse 1, he says, let's go there. And he said to his disciples, temptation to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. 
it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day <clears throat> and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Can you feel that? You must forgive him. doesn't matter how many times he comes to you. If your brother sins, Jesus says, forgive. Now, verse 1, one of the things that I like about Jesus is that Jesus for a long time until now, he has been speaking about his, the kingdom of God, to what the kingdom of God looks like, the principles of the kingdom of God. And I like the fact that Jesus is honest in his approach in the kingdom of God. In verse 1, he says that temptations are things that will happen in the kingdom of God. Now, another, another uh, Bible will say offense. Offenses are things that are going to happen in the kingdom of God. And what Jesus Christ is saying there is that, I think it's against this idea of ours that sometimes church is for perfect people. But Jesus says, no, actually, church is not for perfect people. You will stumble at church. They are because we are different types of people. We come from different backgrounds. So you will, sometimes you will be offended at church. But you will be offended. There will be temptations even in the kingdom of God. And I always find it amazing whenever people say, you know, the reason I'm not going to church is because someone offended me. That's why I'm not going to church. That's why I'm not reading my Bible. It's because someone offended me. Yet at the same time, whenever someone offends you at checkers, you never say, you know what? I'm not going to Chagas anymore. <laughs> Always find it amazing. You never say, you know what? That lady at Chagas offended me, and I'm not going to go to Chagas anymore. I'm going to sit at home. I'm not going to buy any groceries. I'm going to sit at home. But somehow, church is this place that always gets the end of the stick. Whenever we offend, some, someone says, you know what? The reason I stopped to church is because someone offended me. But Jesus says in verse 1, actually, Offenses are things that are going to happen at church. Temptations are things that will happen at church. And after Jesus Christ, uh, after Jesus talking about temptations, he transitions to forgiveness. So if that temptation happens, what should you respond? How we should respond? So it says here in verse 3, Jesus says, pay attention to yourself. In other, in other Bible, it says, be on your guard. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Jesus says, be on your guard. Be on your guard. I don't know what your idea of guarding is. But Jesus says, be alert. Be on your guard against these offenses that will come to you as you are in the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is bringing there is this state of alertness. To be alert. I don't know how... Just the state of being alert. I am alert to the fact that, you know, offenses will come. So I have to always be on alert. And Jesus Christ brings this alertness against one of the most important relationships of our, of our walk with God. The relationship between us brothers and sisters in Christ. So Jesus knew that this relationship between us as brothers and sisters in Christ, it has potential to, 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 to derail our faith in, in God. It has potential to wound us so much. So Jesus says, if, if, be alert. 
you know, against your brother. Be alert against offenses that come towards you through brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and you know, we live in this modern age of, of apps, right? I'm sure all of us have apps these, these, these days. So apps alert us to what is going on in our lives. If, if, if money is coming out of, of, your, of your account right now, there's, a, there's an alert that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, you, you want to track who's taking out that money. But often at times, I, 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 I always ask myself, we, we, we get updated by news. If, if, the, if a certain celebrity that you follow has posted something, then there's an alert that's going to come. But most of the times, I, I, I always wonder if that same vigilance that we have towards these apps, do we have it in regards to our hearts? Do you have that same vigilance of God? You know, I, I, I'm in a state of alert against, especially against offenses. You know, I don't want my heart to be alert. I don't want my heart to, 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 to keep stuff. I, I, I don't want stuff to come and, and dwell in my heart. So if a brother and a sister offends me, what do I do with that? But normally, most of the times, we keep stuff. We don't sort out stuff. We keep. But Jesus says, be on your guard and be alert. That if offense comes against you, that same energy to, to, that we have against everything, we must have also to sort stuff out, to forgive each other, to lead each other to repentance. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, the Bible says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give opportunity to the devil. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 says, So if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, he says, leave your gift there before the altar. First be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you, go, while you are going with him to court. Lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you are put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus knew that this important relationship has a potential to lead us away from God. It can cause us to stumble. It can cause us spiritually to downfall. Therefore, Jesus says, whenever a brother or a sister has offended you, Jesus says, have a short account. So short that the Bible says that don't let the sun go down while we are still angry. Don't let it go down. Sort the stuff out. Be alert. Desire to sort it out. Jesus says, if, if, even if you are offering something, a, a gift, Jesus, if, if you remember that there is someone, there's an offense, there's someone who offended you, there is something in your heart, Jesus doesn't say, okay, give your offering, and then that's it, then go. No. Jesus says, leave your offering, and quickly go and sort that stuff out. Be reconciled. He says, be reconciled to your brother and sister. Therefore, Jesus calls us to have a short account when it comes to sin and offense. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, then rebuke him. That's what Jesus says. If your brother sins against you, then rebuke him. The word rebuke is not to shout. The word rebuke means to call attention to wrongdoing. That's what Jesus says. Let's call attention. To, let's rebuke. And it carries with it this warning of unpleasant consequences of sin, especially if it is, it is ignored. So the reason we rebuke is not because we want to judge or to make ourselves feel better. 
the reason we rebuke is because we are calling attention to what is wrong. We are calling attention, my brother, I think that the way that you are doing this, it's, it, it's not good. It's, you are calling attention. You are not rebuking so that you are not judging that person. You are not casting that person off. But you are calling attention, not specifically to that person, but to the wrongdoing. And sometimes whenever we rebuke, we do, we do something the wrong way. We rebuke the person, but not the thing. But Jesus says, rebuke the offense that is done there. And to do so with much humility. We don't rebuke because we want to be superior. I don't want to, 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 to be more superior than to, to my brother. But I'm rebuking him or I'm correcting him with humility. Because the most important thing to Jesus Christ is to be reconciled. It is a reconciliation. That's what Jesus says. Because Jesus knew that if, if, if offense and hurt, especially between brothers and sisters, is left unattended, then it becomes like a wound. I don't know if you guys, it becomes like a wound that is left un, unbound or undressed. That wound has a potential to be infected and has even a risk to the body. So that's why Jesus says, quickly bind the wound. If someone has offended you, quickly with much humility, go and correct that person. Go and call attention to the wrongdoing. Like a wound that is not cleaned and left undressed. An offense has a potential to harm the body. So sometimes the most loving thing that you can do to your brothers and sisters, the most loving thing you can do to your person is to call attention to their sinful behavior with the results, with the desire and humility to win them over to Jesus Christ. But what we cannot do, brothers and sisters, is to accept, embrace, excuse or compromise about our sin. The Bible doesn't encourage us. The Bible doesn't encourage us to excuse each other's sin. So Jesus says, go and go and fix the problem. Go and go and help your brother. Go and correct your brother if there's an offense that is done. What the Bible doesn't encourage us is not to hide stuff or to leave stuff unattended. It always amazes me that how is it that as Christians we have grudges? Because according to Jesus Christ, we are supposed to sort stuff quickly. We are supposed to deal with things quickly. Like, but it always amazes me that they are Christian with grudges for years and years and years. Stuff is there. Because that thing was not attended while it was still early. But Jesus says, don't let, you know, call out the wrongdoing. Speak with the desire and the humility to solve the problem to be reconciled to your brother and sister in Christ. So Jesus Christ, his application, he says, forgiveness. And I want us to look at what is forgiveness. And in verse 4, he says, And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Jesus says, if the person repents, we are to forgive him. We are to release them. So the, the, the word forgiveness, the, the biblical meaning of the word forgiveness is sort of like to release someone. When you are forgiving someone, you are, you are releasing them from the obligation of paying or the obligation of that you are going to have a, that person will face consequences from you. So in our natural state, whenever someone does something wrong, when we are young, you do something wrong and then 
my mother used to say, Baba, Baba, your father is coming in the afternoon. So you, you are already waiting. You know, five o'clock that retribution is coming for you. You know it, right? You know that stuff is coming for you at that time and you wait until that time and you get it. But forgiveness, Jesus says forgiveness is not like that. Forgiveness releases someone. It releases them from the application of suffering and paying the retribution and not just releasing them but also not remembering or counting the offense against them. So it's not just releasing someone, I forgive you. But then it's also not counting the offense. You can't go to someone and say, okay, I forgive you. And then after that, say, okay, I forgave you one. You did this and this and this and that and that and this and this. That's not how Jesus describes forgiveness. That's not the biblical way to forgive. Maybe it's the way of the world. But according to Jesus, that's not the way we forgive. Jesus says, if the person does that and comes back to you and says, forgive me, Jesus says, and repents, Jesus says, forgive him. Release him from the obligation. Then after that, don't, don't count the sin no more. Forgives, I am he who blot out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sin. In Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32, he says, Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. So this is how we are to forgive. We, we, we don't forgive on our own terms, right? Uh, biblical forgiveness, the way Jesus says we must forgive is the way that he forgives us. We are to imitate him. If, if I sin today, Jesus will forgive me. Jesus will not come back tomorrow and say, you know what, Prince, I forgave you this day, and I forgave you this time, I forgive you this time. No, when Jesus forgives us, he doesn't count our sin anymore. And that's what he encourages us to do in the scripture. In Matthew 18, the very same account, in Matthew 18, uh, Jesus makes a parable about a master who has a servant. Now, this servant owed his master a lot of debt that he could not pay anymore. The amount was so great, he could not afford to pay. Yet his master forgives him. His master comes to him and calls him and says, you know what, because you can't pay this, this amount of money, you know what, I forgive you. I release you from the debt. You are free. Everything is free. Everything is paid out. So what that parable gives us, it gives us this picture of a merciful and a forgiving God when dealing with our sin. And that same behavior and expectation that God, that's the same expectation and behavior that God has for each and every one of us. That the same way, that just as he forgives our sins, we are to forgive others in the same manner. And I was thinking about this this morning, that maybe some of us this morning need to send some messages of forgiveness from people. We need to take some time and, and just forgive. And just release. Right? And, and, and just forgive as Christ has forgiven you. How, how painful it is when that story in Matthew 8, where Jesus forgives this man, but then the same man who was forgiven, when his brother could not pay his money, what does he say? He goes to me, tells his others, oh, go and take him and arrest him. He doesn't give that same mercy and grace that's given. He doesn't extend to his, brothers and sisters, uh, to his brother. 
Instead, he calls for him to be arrested. What, what, what a shocking thing it would be that you and I, this morning, all of us here have been forgiven by God. We have been given the grace of God. Yet that same grace, we can't extend it unto others. What a, what a difficult thing it would be. What a shocking thing it would be. That the same God who counts our sin no more, the same God who blots out our transgression, yet at the same time, we cannot forgive others. Whom do you need to forgive this morning? Is there someone that is coming in your mind? Whom do you need to forgive this morning? Whom do you need to reach out and ask for forgiveness? Don't wait for that person to ask forgiveness from you. Because sometimes that's what we say, you know what? I'm not going to forgive them until they forgive, until they come to me. That's what I was expecting from my friend. That, that same guy who used to bully me will come one day and will, will kneel before me and will ask for forgiveness. But no, I had to forgive him first. He could not drive all the way and come to wherever I am and say, you know, brother, I'm asking for forgiveness. No, I had to forgive him first. Why? Because Christ forgave me as well. Christ forgave me even before I became, before I knew him. That's what the Bible says. He forgave my sins and he washed them away and remembers them no more. Therefore, I am to forgive others without expectation, without waiting for them to come to me, then to release them. Whom God, through this word, is bringing in your mind. Friends, God is calling us to forgive just as he forgives. That's what the, the Bible says. As Christ forgives you, you forgive others as well. You do. Don't wait. Don't wait for someone to come. Forgive them. So we go to the second part of the story in verse 11. So what happens there is that on his way to Jerusalem, passing along Samaria and Galilee, as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers, lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face on Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, then Jesus, uh, then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was not, was not no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. What this man displayed there is gratitude. You know, back in those days, if you had leprosy, I don't know if you, 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 you know leprosy. So if you had leprosy back in those days, one of the things that you, will happen to you is that you'll be put outside you are not allowed to be with people because you could infect them. So you'd be cast away. You'd be, you'd be taken away. That, that was like a death sentence. You'd be far away from people because you can, have, you can infect them. That's what these 10 men are going through in their lives. They have this leprosy and they are being cast out as it was the law in those days. Yet, even though they are so far off, they shout to Jesus and Jesus Christ extends mercy upon them and heals them, and takes away the leprosy. And the most interesting thing happens here. Ten of the men, there were ten of them, one of them was a Samaritan, right? And then the nine were Jewish people. Now, 
uh, in those days, Jewish people were, were these people who had this culture of pride that God was speaking to them. But Moses, they were Jewish people. So they, they, they thought they had a better access to God because of who they were. But Jesus shows that here in this example that actually that's not usually the case. Because only one of them comes back. And the man who comes back was not even a Jewish man. He was a Samaritan man. The last person who was expected to come back and kneel down and show gratitude is, is the one that comes back and shows gratitude. And I always find it amazing that normally the kingdom of God breaks in into the people that we, we don't normally expect. I never expected my friend, Ukaile, to, for the kingdom of God to break in his life. I never had. I never expected that. This guy that is bullying people, is, I never expected that. But today he is a pastor. Today he's leading a church. Today he's experiencing the very same grace that you're experiencing through Jesus. And that's what God is. That's what the kingdom of God is. It breaks in to the people that you least expect. So uh, the Pharisees were the ones who were supposed to show the most gratitude because much revelation was given to them. But they don't do that. Instead, they harden their hearts. This Samaritan man is the one that comes, comes back and shows Jesus Christ his gratitude. And because Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10, I'm not going to read it. It's a very, very long passage that tells us about the mercy and the grace of God. You and I today don't have lepros. But remember that in Ephesians, Paul says to the people, one day you were far away. One day you were far away. One day you were foreigners and strangers. But then he says, but God, through his mercy, brought you back and called you and made you his children. Mamukaba was saying here, today you are sitting in heavenly places because of what Christ has done. So if we have nothing, to, if in your life you have nothing to be grateful for, be grateful for the fact that today you are a child of God. Is that not enough? Be grateful for the fact that one day you were far away. One day you, you didn't have any relationship with Jesus. But this God, through his mercy, washed you and cleaned you. Brothers and sisters, if there is nothing that we can be grateful of, we can be grateful of that. That today we get to call ourselves the children of God. The people who have received mercy and reconciled us to Jesus Christ. And that's the reason today you and I have to be like that Samaritan man. We must be filled with gratitude because of what Christ has done for us. And maybe you are here this morning and you say, Amen. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know who's this person, who's this Jesus that you are talking about. And I want to give you a chance this morning. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this great and merciful God. That this God who you and I were far away, but he extended his hand and he brought us back unto him. And he gave us an opportunity to become his children. And in Romans 10 verse 12, Paul makes this declaration. He says, for there is no distinction between a Jew and a Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to give you that opportunity right now to call upon the name of the Lord. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. You've never had that opportunity. But you can have 
that opportunity right now. Just as Jamie is going to be baptized right now, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you have that opportunity as well to accept Jesus and to receive his forgiveness in your life so that you can extend that forgiveness unto others. I don't know how your life looks like. I don't know what you did in the past. You know, I'm this person who likes to, I'm hard on myself. Sometimes I, I'll go back in the past and I'll think of something that I did and I'll wonder, God, did you really forgive me? Yes, he forgave me. He for, and maybe you're that person that is because of what you did in the past, you feel that you are unworthy of God's forgiveness. But my dear friend, that can be far from the truth. Jesus can forgive you and Jesus has forgiven you. It does not matter what you did. It does not matter your past. Today you can start a new life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we close our eyes? I want to pray for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, God, that we have this opportunity. We have this great opportunity, my Lord, of, of accepting you as Lord and Savior of our lives. My God, the Bible tells us that one day we were so far away, but because of your God, what a glorious thing that you have done for us, that today our hearts get to be filled with gratitude, not for what we did, but for what you have done. And I pray, my God, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, anyone who's here this morning and is feeling that because of their sins, they are unworthy of forgiveness, my God. I pray for them. Let them know, my Jesus, that you are a merciful God, bountiful in mercy and rich, my God. And there is no sin that will ever stop you from forgiving them. I pray, my God, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.